You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gabby. And narrating for today will be Mr. Mr. Todd Fox. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Todd Fox. (laughs) Before we get into the show, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Grinding True Crime, and there you can find our page, like our page, leave a comment on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Go to redbubble.com, type in Todd Fox 80 and there you can get merchandise courtesy of Grinding True Crime. And if you like what you hear, you want to support what we do, you can leave a Cash App donation. All you got to do is download the app called Cash App and type in dollar sign grinding true crimes. Listener discretion is advised, ladies and gentlemen, because we do get into details and and it can be graphic for a certain audience. So listener's discretion is advised. And before we get into our show, we want to give some shout outs to some of our fans who've been supporting us and showing us love uh, throughout our years and also recently. So uh, my shout out will be to uh, Clara um, and also uh, Gabby for uh, listening in to us. Do you have any shout outs, Gabby? I have. Um, I'm trying to get his right name. Iris Shane. Thank you for all the love. Um, Yucky CD. I don't know how you pronounce it, but you participate in our lives. Thank you. Thank you for the great comments. And by the way, you guys want to listen to his podcast. He's been following us. He has a podcast called How Old Really Are You? If you want to follow uh, Yucky CD. Also, our new followers who followed us recently, Maxine and Chungi, uh, thank you for the love. And Todd, who was you shouting out today? Uh, I want to just give a quick shout out to, just because the profile name is so great, uh, I want to give a shout out to Cock. Yes, <laughs> Cock, C-O-C-K. Uh, very, very generous on the five star rating. We love when you guys and gals go out there and participate with a five star. So, thank you, Cock. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody. And for those who've been following us from the beginning, Adam Taylor, uh, if I'm forgetting your name, Kathy, if I'm forgetting your name, please Sherry. forgive us. Sherry, I gotta forget, I can't forget <laughs> Sherry. Uh, thank you so much. And if we forgot your name, leave a comment, we'll, we'll shout you out in the next episode. 
wanted to show some love to our fans because that's what we do. Even the ones that hate us. Exactly. Even the ones with the nasty comments. Thank <laughs> you for listening. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So Todd Fox, you got a story for us today, my brother. Why don't you break it down for us? Okay, so we're going to be back in the U.S. Um, this this case is going to involve a, a very famous serial killer, um, <clears throat> and his name is Richard Cottingham. Have you guys ever heard of him? It sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. I'm going to tell you honestly, I have not. Okay, his his cases or his case is actually still active till today. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into it. There's a bunch of twists and turns in this one. You know, we um, love our twists. We sure do. And we've got some interesting detectives on this one as well. So mm. we'll get into all of that. So Richard Cunningham was born in November 25th, 1946 in Mott Haven, which is in the Bronx. Todd, what is it with the serial killers and the psychos and being born in November? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'd be scared of myself. Yeah, you're born in November. <laughs> yeah, I would hide anything sharp scratcher. away from her. Matt. You know what? You know what? It explains. I am not a serial killer, but it explains my <clears throat> psycho side of mm. the pain I'd like to inflict on those who are. Mm. So you'd be more of a, a Dexter type. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's why her catchphrase is off with their wing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And we're, we might have some of that wang stuff later. We'll get it. But, uh,. <laughs> So this, so uh, Richard and another Richard name. We just got off the Night Stalker a couple cases ago, and we're back on another Richard here. So that that could be a thing too. Um, I'll name your kid Richard. Yeah, because it's a slang for Dick. Um, so he had, wow. <laughs> he was the only boy. He had three sisters, and uh, in 1948, his family moved to Dumont, New Jersey. Uh, they were part of that whole crowd that left the Bronx because the Bronx was getting too integrated with other races. So it was called the Great White Flight. The white because the Bronx at one time was pretty white, and the Bronx was being integrated by Hispanics and also blacks in the majority. So the the white it was called the Great White Flight. They left and uh, headed for the city, or for a better part, you know, of the city, not uh, not the Bronx. They headed away from the city, I should say. The suburbs. Yes, the suburbs indeed of Dumont, New Jersey, a beautiful area. Um, well, here we go. Right off the bat, um, he was playing outside at the age of four when chasing a ball into the street, he was struck oh, by, dear. Struck by a car. By a pigeon. Oh, pigeon. It's <laughs> a lot of pigeons in Jersey. <laughs> yeah, but not in the suburbs anyway. You're right. Those head injuries, huh? Oh, you guessed it. He sustained a head injury. Oh. Mm. <laughs> So up until this point, his sisters, along with his mother and father, would say that he was a really happy kid. But uh, after this, he became a little quiet. Hmm. So that whole head injury was already festering in that head of his. Um, you know, little demons were starting up in there. I, I just don't get how those head, in, head injuries turn these people so fast. That is interesting. Uh, it's a damage to their brain. Yeah. Um, but it, but it just it just switches everything up. It's like someone flips, yeah, flips a switch. It is. That, that's very interesting. Yeah. So he he became quiet and reserved over the coming years. So you fast forward eight more years to 1956. They moved to Riverdale, another nice area, and uh, you know he's out there. He's doing his thing, growing up, going to high school, 
and uh, you know he goes to high school for a bit in 1964. Um, he doesn't really talk to too many kids, <clears throat> so he's not too impressionable. Doesn't really stand out, kind of to him to, to himself. Um, he goes on the track team. Um, he makes a few friends, but again, he's not all that. Uh, you know, just <clears throat> he's he's not not. You, if you didn't know he was there, you you wouldn't know he was there. Basically, got it. Okay, he's one of those. Yeah, he never made an impression on anybody, really. Got it. That's kind of sad. It is. It is. But um, as a senior, though, as a cry for help, I guess, or I don't know, maybe trying to get a little danger into his life, he begins to go to liquor stores and steal candy and beer. So, oh. Sounds about right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he began to get into women. And, um, again, he's had no sexual... Uh, experienced up until this point and um, he often talked about women in derogatory ways and mostly mentioning big breasts you know of high school kids or just you know women in general walking around like he was just attracted to women with big breasts I mean most most red-blooded men are but um, or heterosexual men are but um, you know he was taking it a little bit too far and what do you what do you think that was from? Uh let's see. This is the fifties. He was born this in forty six. This is sixties around here, late sixties. Mm-hmm. That free love era. Um, I'm gonna say it was from. I don't know. He was a voyeur, voyeurism or something. I think he was he was experiencing in voyeurism. <clears throat> All right, Gabby. I'm not sure exactly what that means. You guys are gonna have to tell me. <laughs> oh, like, like yeah. what? Like what do you think? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna guess it started with somebody in his family got the big boobs and he noticed, and now he's looking for that. Mm. You guys are both wrong on that. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember in the '80s, '90s, maybe even early 2000s, they used to have newspapers and they were popular, and. Uh, <laughs> And you used to have black smut, and white ones. <laughs> yeah, I used to have some smut magazines next to them usually, mm-hmm. and you know usually you put like a dollar or two in those, and you get them uh, like porno advertisements or porno magazines. And um, he would go into well get those on the street because they would have them on the street, but you know people would watch and make sure kids don't get them. But hey, you mm-hmm. know, can't watch them all the time. So he would get magazines there. He would go into liquor stores, steal the porno magazines, the Playboy stuff like that, but. Those wouldn't do it for him. He would like those at first, but he needed more brazen. It was too casual for him. You know, just looking at boobs wasn't enough. So That's interesting. I was going to mention porn or magazines, Todd, but mm-hmm. I couldn't think if they were already there then. So I didn't <laughs> do it. Yeah, I mean, he there and there was a lot in the New York area. So he was able to find, you know, that kind of pornographic stuff around now. In those porno newspapers, there was advertisements for subscriptions to magazines. Mm. And obviously, they can't check your age. And if you've got a hold of mm-hmm. yeah. So <clears throat> he would mail in and, uh, you know, a subscription to a magazine, but not just any old porno magazine. He wanted ones with bindage, sadomasochist stuff. Oh, wow. He went, he went far, far. Yes. For a kid who has no experience in sex. You know, outside of probably just touching himself, he went to the extreme right off the bat. And you know what? That's that's actually that that's dangerous. You know, 
because you went from curiosity to the highest level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's going into some really deep, dark areas. And, you know, it's like we've we've talked about this before where, where some of these people, their first sexual experiences are usually the ones they like the most moving on for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And so if you're doing if you're thinking that kind of stuff outside the box without even doing it yet, like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how exactly. it got, got into that, but he's probably going to think that is the norm. You will see, though, moving forward, that this guy, his blood should be used to make Viagra pills because this guy's sex drive is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard a man compliment another. I'm just saying, dude, when you when, when I get to what he's going to get into or who he's going to get into as many times as he does, I'll, you're going to be like, man, props, my, my boy. Good job. Nice. <laughs> Nice. I'm I'm just let's wait. Are you sure we're gonna say nice? Let's let's hear it. Well, maybe you won't say nice, but you'll just say, "Good God, he's got a sex drive." If anything, I mean, you may see. I I gotta rephrase that. It's evil what he does, but just good grief. At one point, you're gonna be like, "Does this guy ever have a flaccid ding dong?" Oh wow! Does he ever go down? Yeah, exactly. Jeez, is that bad? Yeah, it is. You'll see. You'll see. So, um, again, this extremely weird uh, experiences with him not having a sexual partner, just being all, you know, hooked into that scene of sadomasochism and all that uh, bindage stuff. I mean, this is high school, you know. So um, as he finishes high school, he's still he's still a virgin. He's still a virgin. Oh, Uh, never had a relationship that's gone further than second base. Um. So uh, right away, his dad works for uh, MetLife, which is Metropolitan Life Global. They're out of New York. It's a huge company. Um, they have over 60. They're in 60 countries, and they're a Fortune 500 uh, company. So they, they deal with insurance. And uh, so he gets hooked up with a really good job with his father, um, who was a vice president at the time. He's uh, making really good money. He's working on those computers that take up an entire warehouse, but now that can fit on your phone. You know, the same stuff that that would take up an entire warehouse is uh, legit. You could do more on your phone nowadays than you could back then. But he's working on that at nineteen in 1966, and uh, he's doing a really good job there, making a lot of money. Um, so, you know, he's he's a, uh, but he's in Times Square, and he works out of Times Square downtown. Which downtown Times Square is pretty much famous with, um, it's famous in that time in that time period of just having a lot of sex uh, uh, sex workers on almost every corner. You had um, you know adult movie places everywhere. You had porno magazines uh, that you can pick up. Really? Yeah, it was it was definitely a sexual hub. You know, it was like, Vegas pretty much without the gambling. It was it was mini Vegas. Yeah, it it was, and you had a lot of like um, a lot of peeping shows. Um, you know, I, it did. It, it it had bathhouses. It had all kinds of crazy stuff. It's not like that now. I know that for sure. Oh no, <laughs> it it, it cleaned up. That. It cleaned up, but it, back in the day though, it was a pretty nasty area. Um, wow. <clears throat> but he's down there, and here's another interesting thing. Do you know that he worked? At the MetLife at the same time that a, a killer we haven't done on this show yet, but I'm pretty sure one of us is going to get to him. Mm-hmm. Rodney Ocala 
who is the dating game killer. He worked side by side with him in the same office. Oh, wow. I heard about him. Yeah, the dating game killer. He mm-hmm. he worked exactly in the same <laughs> same cubicles as uh, our boy here, uh, Cottingham. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely weird. Uh, definitely a weird um, coincidence. So that was in 1969. They worked back uh, side by side. Um, so moving on, um, he would also be looking at models that would walk up and down the street with big breasts because there was a lot of modeling agencies down there. So you just you just had a and Richard right now at this point he's making what a what equivalates today to a six figure income back then. Good lord! So he's making good money, and he's, he's only even, twenty years old. Yeah, he's only twenty years old. He's not even twenty one yet. I wonder so. if he starts using this money to impress the ladies. Of course he does. I don't even know this guy. I can tell you he did. Yeah, you both got it right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but before he does, though, however. You know, his dad hooks him up out of high school, doesn't have to go to college. He's making a six figure income back then. He's doing really good. But his father has to kick him out of the house because Richard says, you know what? I don't like uh, I don't like working for MetLife. I can make more money with your direct competitor, Blue Shield. Whoa. So he stabs his dad in the back, basically, and says, I'm going to go work for for them more money and he does so that 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 uh causes a rift and his father kicks him out of his nice house in the suburbs and he's like all right fine i'll just go move downtown closer to home or closer to work i'm sorry so um he goes downtown gets a nice little loft down there and immediately immediately Pops his own cherry by getting a prostitute, which did, divergenized him at the, about the age of twenty. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was Man, on. After- you gonna be a virgin that long only to get the oh, yeah. first time with a prostitute? He had to pay the profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, so he uh, he gets a prostitute right away, and uh, he he likes it so much that uh, the following week uh, on his lunch breaks, he's like, you know, I'm hungry, but. Uh, my penis is hungrier, and uh, he went to a he went to a prostitute, and down there they have hotels that you can rent by the hour. So, wow, yeah, he's not taking them to no uh, five star hotels, that's for sure. Motel Six, or back to his house. No, he's taking them to hotels that make the Motel Six look like a five star. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. There's like already pre-made stains on the uh, sheets, and he's just—he's oh, just adding to them as they go. He's like, along. don't worry about cleaning up; it's gonna get worse. <laughs> yeah, he's That's like, oh, th- this stain's still warm. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, I mean, it's the '60s. That's what they were doing back then, right? Yeah, it's the late '60s at this time. Yep. Yep. Free love. So he's so free if you well, it wasn't, it wasn't really free in his case. <laughs> it was discounted. That's what it, it was. was. Discounted. <laughs> so, um, you know, normal sex with these prostitutes after a while, it was getting a little mundane. You know, he tried a few things fantasy wise, maybe even tried some toys. Sorry, I'm getting graphic, but this is what we got to get into. That's why we warned him. Exactly. So, you know, he's. <sighs> He's trying to get in, you know, he's, he's having these, these, these feelings. Like he just wants to inflict some pain, you know, like he wants to get into pain Uh. and, uh, well, 
on Friday, October 27th, 1967, he would get his well, chance. We got a date. We got a date. Uh, with a date, let's find out what happened. <clears throat> 29-year-old Nancy Shivo Vogel was finishing up shopping in a local mall. Oh. The mother of two had bought some clothes for her kids and was on her way to the car, which was parked in the back of the parking lot. If only she knew the predator was lying in wait. Richard would sneak up from behind her. He would tie her up, rape her and bind her, torture her. But then the thing that changed with him was he strangled her. He squeezed the life out of her. Oh, man. Yep. And, uh, he wasn't expecting to kill her, but it just so it just so happened and it happened because some of the prostitutes he was starting to experiment with, you know, handcuffing them, binding them, maybe whipping them, stuff like that. But he would let him go. But something took him over this time, and it was kind of a crime of opportunity. She was in a not in a dark lit part uh, part of the parking lot, and uh, he he killed her. And uh, so then he knew what he was doing because he took the car a town over, and you know, in a suburb and parked it there and uh she would not be found for three days Mm. yeah they uh only because two girls had seen the same car on their parking uh on their street that they didn't notice and then when they got closer to the car they saw a sheet in the back seat with a foot sticking out of it oh Mm. no yeah no that's traumatizing very much so these girls were only 10 and 9 years old Um, the police discovered that Nancy fought for her life. Um, she had uh, skin um, samples, or, or at least her nails were broken, so she had scratched the perpetrator. Um, but she endured a uh, very violent rape and beating. Um, her face was uh, was beaten pretty good, and uh, before she was strangled. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, I mean, how I, do you? I have a comment here. Go ahead. I mean, I'm not saying it's the girl's fault. It's not her fault. This guy's a pig. Mm-hmm. But why why do women that go out alone park in the back of parking lots? Uh, the only thing I could think of is they're trying to get more exercise by walking from the mall to the back of the parking lot. I've seen it a lot too, Gabby. I, I don't it's just not safe. It's not like I get you want to walk, like be a distance. But when you're with other people, when you're alone, you want to be as close as possible. Yeah, I totally agree. And and you could watch some shows that I, like um, what's that one where it's uh, caught on camera or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. See no evil. And they, they show so many times where these women go to dark lit areas and a guy comes out of nowhere. They're, they're being stalked. And you have less yeah. a chance of that if you're in a well lit area closer to the store. So, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you you don't think that nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. But then again, that's why people are buying pepper spray and they're buying all this other mm-hmm. stuff. So, yep. Don't get near me, ladies. <laughs> there you go. Keep your pepper spray, or if you got a gun, keep it with you. Yeah. Oh, I got my hell pepper spray already. There you go. See, we got to get them as an advertiser or yep. as a yes. sponsor. Yes. Yes. Uh, so getting back to it, uh, Richard, it didn't bother him, which is problem number one. He thought he was going to be very sad, very upset. Uh, he didn't feel nothing. He went right back to work and uh, started to talk to coworkers about it. 
And he had a coworker. Really? By the, yeah, he had a coworker by the name of Dominique who worked exactly with him over there at Blue Shield. And uh, he would talk about uh, <clears throat> not the case or the murder, but he would talk about wanting to have a sex slave and uh, someone that he could tie up and and use extreme bondage on them. And Dang. Um, and Dominic Dominic's like, all right. You know, <laughs> not questioning it whatsoever, thinking it's a little. I ain't gonna crazy. lie to you, man. One Dominic of my co- could have been a Johnson. He could have been a Johnson, yes. If my coworkers came at me with some some BS like that, I might not call the cops, but I'm definitely keeping an eye on him, making sure to make sure that he don't do nothing stupid. I'm yeah, watching. I mean, you have to do something like that. I mean, like nowadays, it's like if anyone says anything remotely close to that, you're reporting them, or you're you know. You're making a post about it or something. I mean, yeah, this is... like, draw you'll draw to maybe your supervisor's attention or or just keep a close eye on them and watch them or do something. I wouldn't yep. just be like, "Hey, man, more power to you." No, <laughs> it's interesting though because nowadays, even though they're not talking to you, like they want to do something to you or throwing themselves at you, the conversation itself you will, can already report it as sexual harassment. That is true. Yeah, because, I mean, you're talking about stuff like that. That's unwarranted. You're not asking for them to, to bring that out. If they're bringing it out themselves, absolutely, that's sexual harassment. Yeah, Especially at the now they're making you uncomfortable with sexual conversation. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. <clears throat> now, getting into this next part of the story, I want to warn you guys and gals out there listening, um, this is going to be crimes against children right here. Mm. So, oh, man. Or at least teenagers, so... You know, if you got a weak stomach or that, that hits a sore spot, I'd check out now. Um, July 17th, 1968, Jacqueline Harp, 13 years old. She was leaving band practice when she did not return home. Uh, that is a child. Yes, it is. Um, police were called and the search was on all night. And they looked throughout the uh, the dark, rainy night. But unfortunately, just hours before dawn, one of the searchers came upon a nude body that was found in a ditch just feet away from the local high school that she left in the ditch that they must have missed uh, when originally searching. Um, She had been beaten severely and her leather strap to her backpack had been ripped off her backpack and used to strangle her and it was still stuck tight around her neck. Um, They checked to see if she was raped. She was not. So this was considered by the police a sexual crime without penetration. They felt that the murderer had used um, his sexual tendencies or his his um, used that as getting off without penetrating, basically. So he used strangling and you know the torture, the, the use of force as a sexual pleasure. Yes, correct. Hmm. So because of this, the local community, again, this is in the suburbs outside of New Jersey. The police were now on the hunt for a child killer. You had a lot of people searching through the night. They they had candlelight vigils, and uh, people were were pretty pissed off. Um, February 15th, 1968, uh, Cottingham killed his uh, third known victim, a 23-year-old Diane Cusack, who was found raped, beaten, and strangled to death in the back seat of her car. 
mm. which which was found at the uh, Green Acres Mall in Valley Stream, New York. Now, the crazy thing about this case is Cottingham was not charged with this murder until June of 2022. What? What? Yes, when his when his DNA was linked to the murder. So, in his confession, he never he never uh, brought up this murder, and uh, it would be it took fifty four years to close this case. His 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 daughter, his daughter who is now fifty seven years old, um, she was three years old at the time of her mom's demise, finally got the answers to who killed her mom. Okay. Was that a spoiler alert? Well, no. Well, it is a spoiler alert early on because we now know that, you know, and I'll tell you a little bit more about, remind me to tell you at the end of the story about the Cusack murder, but basically that's the latest in this, uh, in this case, 2022. It it just, it just got cleared. It just got cleared. Yeah. And and they just went to trial too. So. Wow. So he's still alive. He's still alive. That son of a wow! So spoiler alert there early, but that's what alert. I'm going. I'm interesting. Yeah, I'm going in order for the murders. So that was his third right there. Yes, third murder. So on April seventh, nineteen sixty nine, in Hackensack, New York, an eighteen year old Irene Blase was reported missing. She would be found just off the road in some shrubbery by the road. By some road workers, um, mm. she had been found nude, beating, and clutching her crucifix. Now remember that, Cru- clutching her crucifix. So, if anyone wants to know what a crucifix is, if they don't know, it's the little Jesus on a uh, on a uh, cross, and it's usually with some beads or a, a pretty tough necklace that goes around, or you know that attaches to that, and you show it off. It's you kind of kiss the crucifix if you're very Catholic or whatever. And uh, the chain was used, unfortunately, to squeeze the life out of her from behind. That sucks. And you know what? She she more likely was praying to God, obviously, to save her and stuff. For her to be clutching onto her crucifix like that, that that just sucks. For him to use that, uh, whatever religion you are, that that is a symbol of you know of, of religion uh, of Christ, whatever. And for him to use it shows this. He had no dis. He had no respect for her, obviously, or no respect for anything. So that's that. Yeah, he he got her nude again. So it's another nude to where he didn't exactly penetrate her, but he did enough as far as sexually, maybe just touching her, maybe the look of her. And then mm. when he had enough of all that, then it's like, oh, I'm gonna strangle her. That that's the climax. Um. The so weird. that that's what gets him off. Exactly. Wow. And see, some of these cases, like, say, for instance, the one I talked about prior, how they were able to use a DNA. Mm-hmm. He's actually ahead of his time. He's pretty smart. He's not like the Golden State Killer who just busted all over the place and left his semen everywhere. He would actually wipe the girls down if he left semen, but he left a little bit on Diane Diane's case. And because DNA's come so far that it was too much trace evidence to test it years ago or even up to five years ago. But because Mm -hmm. DNA, you can now get the smallest amounts of DNA and test it and get a a match. That's how they were able to get 
um, Cottingham on that case because they were finally able to test that small sample. But he was smart for his day. He wiped down a lot of the bodies. He didn't leave his semen all over the place. That's crazy, though, because they swabbed them. I mean, you can't wipe what's in there. True, true. But but again, he wasn't penetrating. Yeah. So maybe he was just shooting on their back or on the side yeah. of the floor. He got rid of it. pulled out. Well, no, he wasn't. He wasn't penetrating these last couple of victims, though. So. Oh, but the one prior, right? Yeah, yeah. He must have like got it on her or something, because she was, you know, she was she was raped, but it was just trace. Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so the poor thing was holding onto the crucifix in her hand. It was stuck there. She was clutching it. That was her last thing that she did before she died. Um. Police weren't putting these cases together because, again, no internet and also the fact that nobody talked between jurisdictions. So we've talked a lot about these police departments not working with one another. They do that, and they did that in California a lot. Now they're doing it here in the East Coast at this time as well. I don't understand why cops. Well, they still now it's gotten a little better, but I don't understand why they didn't do that a lot back then like yeah i can't stand that they could have solved several murders based on the podcast we've done i'm sure hundreds hundreds if they would have just communicated with different jurisdictions you have ego and you have like just the the fact that hey nothing's happening now i'm like they instead of like for me if i'm trying to solve a case i'm gonna look in you know, surrounding areas to see if there's anything that matches mine i mean it's just common sense but back then they're all like, yeah, get all the help you can so you can solve it. Exactly, but back then they're just like, nah, let's just well, let's just find out what's happening in our backyard, whatever we're covering. It's it's lazy policing. It is. They're yeah. stupid. They don't have the community and people's lives as a priority. Exactly. And that's no knock on police officers. It's just they failed in that aspect. Yeah, it's it's just because now I think the only reason why they do it nowadays is because it's so easy to do. You could just type in you know, sexual uh, murder and everything pops up and all it is is you having to scroll. You don't have to get up from your chair or your cubicle. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, So, again, you had all that stuff happening. Now, here's another one. On July 14th, 1969, Diane Falska was uh, found behind a cemetery off a road. She was abducted on her way to her friend's house. So she was taken against her will into a secluded area Mm. um later in the night when police were looking for her they found her body in that cemetery and here's the twist she was strangled the same way and she was also clutching a crucifix oh but she was still alive no she was dead oh okay so the last thing she did was also uh you know clutch a uh crucifix so is this becoming are these people just very religious or is this something that he's making them do that we don't know and that i don't know and have any information about the i i don't know i think these two murders back to back he just got two catholic girls like yeah, like you know what i mean like he got two he just happened to come across two catholic girls and because he did that the police were finally like well you know we got a serial killer so after but, the fifth <laughs> yeah, but they weren't linking up the other cases because remember the other one wasn't solved till till barely this year, mm. and they weren't they weren't linking up that thirteen year old either. They were thinking mm-hmm. that these two killers with or, or that these two killings with a crucifix was a serial killer because that's more than one now. Yeah, 
So we have a, uh, a police report here, actually um, a, a quote here, and this is from, uh, this is from, from uh, Detective Balboa. And uh, he was quoted as saying, uh, you know, we gotta, uh, we gotta be vigilant <laughs> out there. I to do that. And, uh, you know, we gotta uh, make sure that uh, everyone stays calm, you know? We gotta stay calm! We gotta, we gotta get out there! We gotta get this guy! Hey, Mick, cut me! Mick, man! Because you gotta stay calm, man. You know, you, you gotta be vigilant and uh, look for your surroundings so that, uh, you know, no one gets hurt and killed and whatnot. So Couldn't that pass was, it up, huh? Yeah, that was uh, Detective Balboa. <laughs> You just couldn't pass it up. Huh? I couldn't. I couldn't. Sorry. Um, so, so while Rocky was looking for uh, the perpetrator, uh, um, I spit out his water. Coughing in a vulnerable moment, bro. Sorry, man. Sorry. Now, how we know his name was Rocky? <laughs> I'm just going by the last name. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. If it, if, I swear, if his name started with an R, I would have been done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, um, so after he actually got into trouble for the first time, uh, he would get a, a stint in jail for drunk driving. Um, so he felt that um, he was getting a little sloppy because he'd been drinking a lot, like a lot of these serial killers do. Mm-hmm. So he decided to take a little time out on the killing part. He was having a little too much fun. Um, did they so, get his princess stuff when he was jailed? They did, but again, it's not not on a computer at this time. So they have it right there. Um, so he began to clean up his act. He began to date this woman named Janet from these apartments, and um, you know he uh, kept his he kept his uh, sex his violent sex anyway kind of like to the side he was treating her really good and she's starting to fall in love with him or whatever um you know uh you know and and then uh they they began to to get to get pretty passionate pretty close and uh you know they they started he he proposed to her and you know why he proposed to her they were having sex but it wasn't you know she was wondering why he just couldn't stay hard because you know he he wanted more and then he when he tried to get her to have violent sex do things outside of her comfort zone thing they started having problems mm. so he figured okay well i can't get it at home i'm gonna hit the prostitute and go back to the sex workers so between lunch breaks um he would start having sex uh before and after work it started happening too he said hey i'm working late at the office hun. i'll be home in a little later and then he's going to these hotels and banging one out and hurting these uh you know, because he's working with a lot of sex workers now, and he's beginning to get a reputation in the neighborhood or in the city as, you know, hey, he'll pay you good, but he's you're going to take a beating. You know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah, you're going to do some stuff. He's nasty. <clears throat> he is. It's, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. Man. That's <clears throat> wild. And here's where it's going to get you frustrated. So we always talk about one of these cases where they have a criminal that has a break where he could get caught and boom, there you go. It's over with. Um, but he, you know, the, he gets away with it. Um, a 17 year old sex worker. And again, 17 year old, that was the thing down there in times square too. You had all ages down there. That's unfortunate. Uh. Um, she came limping into the police station. She escaped Richard's clutches. 
She had been severely beaten in the face to where her friend who met her up at the police station was, uh, you know, a friend of the pimps, another uh, another sex worker, um, didn't recognize her at first. And she was bitten so hard on on her um, chest and on her shoulder that a chunk of skin was missing. Oh, Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Mike Tyson. This guy's insane. He is. He is. And uh, Richard, though, was identified by her and other sexual uh, sex workers that had seen him on the regular or that knew of him. And he was identified and arrested. But, but. Oh, no. Johnsons? No, not the Johnsons. Unfortunately, just like that German couple from a couple stories back. Uh, Afraid to say it. The 17-year-old didn't show up for court or any of the other proceedings, and he was... The charges were dropped. Mm. Oh, yay, yay. Yeah. And, uh... He's busy working. What's that? He was too busy working. He was. and uh, But the one thing that came out of this, though, was that his reputation was now a bit tarnished down there. You know, at you know from work now, because it got out that he had, you know, multiple sex partners and and, you know, cheating on his wife, you know, because Janet, Janet became his wife and everything. And um, what do you think Janet did? I think she caught wind of it and was getting ready to leave him, setting up the divorce papers. Gabby? I don't know if she was setting up for divorce, but I'm guessing she just took off. Hmm, nope. She's like, you know what can save this marriage? A kid. Let's get oh, pregnant. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, gosh. Why do people do that? Why do people want to keep a tr- piece of trash person and bring a child into the world just so they could be another victim of their stupid doings? Yep. I mean, I don't understand it, but that's what happened. In Kids 19- don't save marriages if you have an issue already. <clears throat> oh, boy. that's You're preaching to the choir on that one. That definitely doesn't work. No. Um, so 1973, he had his first child, his son named Blair, uh, Blair Cunningham, and the couple moved on. And uh, Richard was continuing to work downtown, claiming long hours. Janet believed him despite, you know, his past. And he just kept on entertaining and torturing sex workers. Um, they had another son by the name of Scott in 1975 and a daughter in 1976. Mm-hmm. Um, she was oblivious to all his madness or just didn't care to um, realize it was going on or believe it. And uh, he would stop having sex with her in late 1976. So he's not having sex with his wife anymore. So he well, just completely stopped? Say what? He just completely stopped? Yes. He just completely stopped. She didn't want to have sex with him either because she knew the only sex he wanted was violent. So Mm. she's like, no. And he liked having her under control. So he just felt that, okay, I got someone at home taking care of my kids, doing what I need, cooking and cleaning. Boom. That's my side of that. But I need my sex. So I'm going back out and I'm going to go down and raid Times Square again. Hmm. So, despite this, at around the same time here in uh, nineteen late nineteen seventy six, 
<clears throat> a 19-year-old would uh, would accuse him of trying to strangle her. She almost uh, passed out. She filed a police report. Again, Cottingham came up on the police's radar, and they went straight to him. He was identified, but the 19-year-old did not show up once again. Oh, Lord. So the 19-year-old, a oh, different girl. Opportunities of saving more people. Oh. Exactly. That went out the window, and uh, he was he was released once again. Uh, he only spent a few days in jail on that one. So in early 19... But the wife was cool with all that? Yeah, in early 1977, Janet, um, she pretty much uh, just... She believed whatever he said, and she just went along with it. You know what I mean? So they weren't having sex. She kind of knew but didn't want to believe it. And when he said that no baby... Yeah, when he was like, no baby, no baby, this isn't happening. She was like, all right. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So, again... She was a a Johnson. She was a Johnson. So, you're talking at least two or three times a day he's having violent sex at work. Maybe sometimes on the weekend. And that's not enough for him. So, keep that in in mind. He he mates a... uh, a bartender who has big breasts that's said here in the, in the story. Um, <laughs> he begins to date this woman named Barbara. And uh, that again, so you're dating, you're working, you're sleeping, you're, you know, with the family a little bit, you're doing prostitutes during the day, you're dating a woman named Barbara, and then you start dating a 29 year old nurse named Jane Connolly. So, you. <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's he's juggling. He is juggling big time. Good lord. Literally. <laughs> I like what you did there. What you did there. Just... <laughs> Yo, that was a very good jump there. You did a good job. I see what you did there. Good pun. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know where this dude found time to sleep. Bruh, yeah. What? You know, I so pretty much his whole day is about sex. Yeah, pretty much. And, and... So, so let me get this straight, Todd. Let me get mm-hmm. this. Straight. He goes to work, lunch Full break, time. lunch break. He goes to the Times Square, grabs him a, a prostitute, does his thing. Mm-hmm. Probably after work, he does the same thing. Correct. Mm-hmm. He he's dating a bartender and probably does the same thing with her. Correct. Mm-hmm. And he has a 29-year-old at the same time. So after he leaves her, he probably goes at night to play, do his thing with the 29-year-old, correct? Correct. And then when he's done, he goes home probably to sleep. He probably stops by for another prostitute on the way home, and then he goes. Yeah, or who knows, drops off the kids in the morning and bangs one out too after. I don't know. I mean, this man. <laughs> walking Viagra, that's what I'm saying. The Iron Giant. Yeah. And so keep all that in mind, what you just described. And that's still not enough to keep him from killing. Oh, dear. Because all this at the age of 32 years old, on December 15, 1977, the body of an another X-ray technician, Myron Carr, 26, was found brutally beaten and strangled in the parking lot of a Quality Inn motel in Hasbrook Heights. Ugh. But police. In a did, hotel? Yeah, at a hotel. 
Um, but police did not link this murder to Cottingham until after his arrest. So this this one wouldn't be put on him till later. But uh, the woman had marks and uh, around her wrists and ankles uh, indicating handcuffs and traces of adhesive around her mouth. Her oh, body, my God. Yeah. Her body also bore numerous small cuts, bites, and marks. So he was playing with her body, uh, digging into it with a knife um, before, before strangling her. Yo, this man is nuts. Yeah. And here's the twist on this one. There's a lot of twists. A lot of twists. Check this out. So she had been abducted from the same apartment complex where Cottingham had been previously um, dating his future wife, Janet. And she was one of her good friends and tenants in that same apartment complex. Dang. So he probably was watching her while he was dating Janet. Yeah. And he was familiar with the apartments and that's how he was able to get her. This psycho man. Yeah. So and this you don't know who to trust. No. Not at all. Not at all. Um, this would stump police as the crime scene was cleaned up of any forensic evidence and DNA as well. So after the the killing in that around the hotel area, he <clears throat> made sure that the crime scene was literally picked up before he left. Wow. He's ahead of his time. Yep. So this case went cold very quick. And then, like I said, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be uh, finalized or, or, or closed till after Cottingham was caught. Um so after this, Richard went on a spree of using date rape drugs where women would wake up in hotels, motels, or their cars with you know, beat. You know, at least they were they woke up. Let's put it to you that way. Mm-hmm. But they were raped. He raped a lot of women. They woke up bloodied with bite marks on their breast because that would become a staple of his too. He would leave deep and really hard bites on these women's breasts, and also cut he's marks. Was he trying to do bite them off? I guess. I mean, maybe he thought they were marshmallows. I mean, he. He would use he would use knives too. I mean, if you think about it, real slow on their backs, and and almost to the point where like I want to stab. Like he would leave a small incision or cut, and then stop. So he wouldn't put the knife all the way in, but sort of just dip it in. Like it's weird. He left a lot of marks and cuts he like probably that. Probably wanted that painful reaction from them to keep him going. <clears throat> yes, yes. Now as uh, we're winding down in this case. Um, this is where he becomes really f- uh, like what he's known for mm-hmm. and all those cases that we talked about up until now won't come into the light till after these cases right here so these are the cases that put him on the map and that uh, really get people in a frenzy okay <clears throat> so on December 2nd 1979 firemen would respond to a, a pretty big fire at a travel in motel um, when they got there, they found the body of Didi Gordiza, uh, Gordarizi, I think it is, and another identified woman. Now, the reason why uh, I call her ident- unidentified woman is because we still don't know to this day. Um, what? Yeah, we don't know what that who that woman was. 
Well, what did he do to her? Well, both bodies had their hands and heads removed. <gasps> Yo. And they had been doused with lighter fluid and set on fire. Yo. The missing body parts were never found. And in a 2009 interview, Cottingham admitted to the murders and claimed that he severed the heads and hands of the victims to prevent their identification. As he was equated, he was equated with one of them, uh, Dita Gordarizzi, and had seen her in a bar the night before. Uh, she was an Iranian uh, sex worker who also had a pimp from, Ira- uh, from Iran who, I guess, they had a syndicate out there. Um, and both bodies, the torsos, had the same kind of uh, incisions or marks by a knife up and down their backs. Jeez. Mm. Yeah. Um, they also, the corner that, um, you know, went over both bodies. Um, I don't know how they deciphered this, but they realized that um, both women were bound and tortured before their heads and arms were removed or hands. But one of them, and this is coming from Cottingham as well, even before they interviewed him, but they figured that um, he killed one of them and had the other one witness the killing of the other one before he killed that one. So one of them really suffered torture. Ugh. Yeah. And uh, the unidentified woman, um, again, who they have not, they've, I don't know if they're going to start trying it, but they're trying to solve all these cases with Cottingham. So I think they're going to try that reverse genealogy. So maybe someday soon we'll know the identity of the, the young woman, but they think she was about only 16 years old Ugh. at the time. So, oh, what a sick... Mm. Yeah. Keep my mouth shut. Yeah, this guy's a disgrace. Yeah. So, unfortunately, someone's been missing a loved one for over 40 years. Uh, whether she was a woman that came from another country like the Iranian woman, uh, we don't know. But I'm pretty sure at some point we'll know because they're, they're yeah. act- actively, like I said, trying to close these cases out yeah yeah that is so horrible yeah it sucks it really sucks um and and Didi had a, a had a, a daughter too so she grew up without a mom after that too mm. so um that would move us to may 5th 1980 police found the body of a 19 year old valerie ann uh on the street uh on the Quality Inn in Hasbro Heights, New Jersey, the victim's hands were tightly handcuffed behind her back. Police would later lift the fingerprint matching Cottingham's. Oh. So this was the only fingerprint that had been taken from any of the cases. Um, she had been beaten and bruised and, and uh, beaten around the head area and her breasts were bitten several times. Um, she had uh, traces of uh, adhesive around her lips as well, as far, and as uh, she died of asphyxiation. So, mm. same thing as uh, Marion Carr. So um, now the uh, the Cottinghams were on the radar, and um, at the same time, as the police are finally you know matching the fingerprint, and they you know they're narrowing it down. Richard uh, again keep in mind all that sexual stuff that he was doing the girlfriends everything yeah um he was tipped off because one of the girls that he was dating i think was the um, x-ray technician he dumped her 
And so oh. she got mad and uh, she told uh, she told Janet through via mail on a letter about what her husband was doing. And uh, Janet began to follow her husband into town to where she witnessed him going into peep shows, swinger clubs, gay bars, and taking what? Yes, and taking multiple women to hotels. So he was into men too. Yes. Wow. That's so now- like something a lot of these have in common. Hmm. I wonder why. I mean, the over the over the the overkill on the sex drive, right? Yeah. So, because of finally all of that, <laughs> then she's like, "Oh, okay, it's time to go, kids. We're packing up and going to mom's." Wait a minute. <laughs> that was the last straw, not that... the other cheating. She, she, yeah, yeah. She's eight like years ago. <laughs> she's like, you can go to all them them uh, swinger clubs. You can you know have sex with all those. Uh, sex workers but you go to a gay bar that's it honey we're done <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean she left him finally and uh, i mean i don't okay i i get it because you know you're playing two sides of the fence you know mm-hmm. but she should have been left them she shouldn't even have kids with them yeah jesus yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, she stuck with him too long. I mean, look, whether he's going to a gay bar or a swinger club, regardless. I mean, anything you know, uh, or having sex with prostitutes, he's cheating. You know, if you're willing to put up with it, fine. But I mean, I don't see why you have to wait till he goes to a gay bar to do it. But you know, he's basically having sex with. Her. I mean, she's lucky she didn't catch anything. She's lucky she didn't get AIDS, and not just from right. like I'm not saying gay sex, but just the 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 fact that he's sleeping. With everything him. he was. He's sleeping with prostitutes. Yeah, and they sleep with several, several. Yeah, they have multiple Johns. So, and so, yeah, she yeah. is very lucky. Very. That lucky. is crazy. I wonder, did he show any signs of being homosexual or? Not that we, something? not that we know of, because it's not really, it's not really uh, prevalent in the story. But according to her accounts, she witnessed him going into gay bars. So. He, he probably was like, you know what? His drive was just so out of control. He had to get it from anyone or any any person. That's what I was going to say. I think all the crazy things he was doing just eventually became too boring. And now he had to yeah, experience expand. something else. Mm-hmm. Expand his sexual drive. So, and then too, it's like, it like a conquering thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, so... This yeah. So just ten. Oh, go ahead. No, I said this is very interesting. This this gentleman, or oh, this guy. Yeah, yeah he's a gentleman. Yeah, he's terrible. I'm just trying to be polite and no. educated because you know <laughs> some people don't think we're educated. So that's fine. <laughs> Todd, you continue with your token, okay? That's fine. Well, you know what? Matt and Gabby can be educated. I'll dumb the show down. How about that? <laughs> I'll dumb it down. I'll misspell. I'll be, you know, highly. Uh, Don't be know. petty, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play off the cuff here. I won't be so uh, PC. There you go. I would have corrected you a while back with your token remarks, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. You you be you, Todd. Thank you. Well, I'll <laughs> took an advantage of this to uh, move on with the story. 
<laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, just go on Podbean and read our comments. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> the comments are worth it right there. Love it. Yep. Uh, so just 10 days later, at a Hotel Zaville off of Madison Avenue in the heart of Times Square, there was another fire. And the police and fire department were called to this scene as well. When firefighters started to put out the fire, they found a woman who had been tortured, beaten, and raped. Uh, And she was also strangled to death. That's sad. She was burnt? Yes. And here's the thing, though. This time, the the head and hands weren't removed, but the breasts were removed and put on the mantle. Wait, he cut both breasts? He cut both breasts off before setting the woman on fire, and he put it on the mantle. This guy is... Gosh, I hope he's doing these things when they're dead already. they're dead. This guy is nuts. He is nuts. Terrible. Yeah, that's that's torture. I hope these women were dead at the time. Yeah. Because that would suck. It would suck. And that's the thing. It was Jean Ann Rayner. She had been a prostitute and a mother trying to make ends meet. And now uh, this, so she was now in the entire area of New York and Times Square was living in fear. <clears throat> and um, here's my thing. Wish, oh, go ahead. Not, not to cut you off. Here's my thing. You mentioned earlier that twice that two workers identified him, went to the police, and they actually had him arrested, but they never showed up, correct? Correct. Word on the streets traveled. Mm-hmm. How come they didn't stop? Well, why did they keep going up to him? Like, I'm quite sure that other females told other females, hey, be on the lookout for what is he white? He's a white guy? Yeah, he's a white guy. Be on the lookout for a white guy. He does this, he does that. If you see him, don't, don't let him pick you up. Avoid him. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, did that happen? I'm pretty sure it did. Like I said, it, I don't have the specifics on that, but I do know that there was an awful lot of prostitutes and an awful lot of pimps. And just like the police, they don't talk to each other and be like, hey, there's a dangerous John over there. You know, like you might want to keep your chicks away. They're more concerned of, hey, stay off my corner. Those are my bitches. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they're not. Yeah, that they're not true. they're not going to share information like police back in the day. So no communication. These things are going to go. And then you have prostitutes that only work exclusively for one pimp. They're not going to be talking to other prostitutes. You know what I'm saying? Unless That's they're, unless they're going to just rip them for the way they dress yeah. or to get off their corner. Okay, but what about the police? Well, the I poli- mean, they've arrested this guy for things like that already. Wouldn't they already know that it's him? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Detective Balboa had several Johnsons in his jurisdiction that would would think, you know, hey, you know, he's got quite the rap sheet. And then uh, Balboa would be like, well, you know, we should investigate this guy before he does something else. And then they would, and then they would come off saying, you know, like, well, yeah, but uh, there's an awful lot of prostitutes. It could be more than one guy. And they're like, all right, you know, like so, <laughs> you don't really have the communication going on. It just turns into a problem. I love the reenactment talk. Yeah, I mean, that's it's actual uh, quoting right there. Um, <laughs> okay, my other question, Todd. Uh huh. The wife left. Mm-hmm. What was his reaction? Like nothing happened there. 
Uh, he was upset, but it was only for the control factor of the hey, who's gonna cook for me? Who's gonna clean for me? Oh wow! Because obviously, I mean, if you're if you're boinking those that many people, you're not gonna have time to clean the house or or do the dishes. So obviously, that was a problem for him. So he wasn't mad that she was gone per se, and he didn't seem to give a crap about his kids. So, dang, he wasn't father of the year. <laughs> I agree to that. Yeah. So. I mean, this it's getting out of it's getting out of hand, you know, like, again, uh, the police are trying to, you know, narrow it down and they're trying they're keeping an eye on him. The fingerprints there, but they need more, you know, uh, evidence for whatever reason. They don't arrest him yet. So because of that, we would have already known, huh? Yeah. And because of that, you have another experience that happens on May 22nd, 1980, Um, an 18-year-old sex worker by the name of Leslie Ann Odell <clears throat> followed Cottingham to the hotel. Uh, with some small talk, Richard offered her a back rub. Mistake number one, she obliged. And she mm-hmm. got into a prone situation on the bed, took off her shirt, laid down. And I mean, come on. When does when does a prostitute get a back rub? You know, she's probably like, man, you know, I could go for one of these. But you got to think there's something wrong there because, I mean, if you get a sex worker, you're going to get them for sex. You're not going to get them for anything else, right? Yeah, it's all about the yeah, client. Yeah, you're not, yeah, not going to take care of them. They're there to take care of your sexual needs. Yeah, but she was like, girl, I could use a back rub. And she got on her chest and let him get on her and straddle her and start to massage her back. But he tied her up and, um, you know, as he's he's starting to tie her up, he kind of like doesn't do it all the way, and she kind of breaks free. So she hmm. rolls off the bed where his pants were laying, and she finds a gun. Oh, and yeah! She reaches into his gun, and she picks it up, and she looks at him and says, "Die, mother effer!" And she pulls the trigger. And what's happened before when they do that? It's not blank. firing. It's a fake gun. Shooting blanks. Yep. So she screamed as loud as she could, but he takes the butt of a knife that was in his, I guess, underwear. He was on him somewhere because he didn't have his pants on. And he bopped her right over the head. And then uh, he subdued her. And then he he took a knife to her throat and said, "Um, you're going to endure some more pain for this. And uh, he started to abuse her. And to where every time she got to the point of passing out, he would throw water on her face and make her endure it again. Oh man! So she was getting she run out the door. She was getting the hell beat out of her at this point. Um, but then all of a sudden, there was a huge knock on the door, and it, and it was uh, Detective Balboa and his and his boys, and he was like, "Hey, uh, we heard some noises in there. You gotta open the door. It's the police." <laughs> Wait, then, really? No, not Balboa, but I was just saying if he were there. <laughs> so, so, uh, so then, so then she got up, she or he got up and said, "Okay, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you, I'm gonna kill you. I, mean, I don't care. You're gonna die if you do not play by the rules. So we're gonna go to the door. You know how they have those little chains where you can open up mm-hmm. the door? It's like a door stopper. Mm-hmm. And he's only gonna crack it open that much. And she's got to tell the cops to her their faces. He says, "You say one thing wrong, I'm gonna jab this." this uh this knife through your heart so he's got her from behind and he's telling her to tell the police that everything's okay 
go away. We're good. We're just having rough sex. I got a little too loud. And she tells him. But the thing is, she's blinking her eyes, like just blinking like profusely to where he can't see. And she's telling him with a calm voice. So the police, are they Johnsons or are they Balboas? I'm thinking they're going to be Balboas. I'm thinking they're finally, we got some good news and they're Balboas. They're Balboas? Okay. Let's see if the, let's see if you guys are right. I hope so. So the police, as uh, she tells them that, and she's blinking their eyes crazy, uh, they are like, all right. And they oh, walk away. God. The door the door shuts, and Cottingham grabs her, and he pushes her face into the, the mattress and says, you just bought yourself some more time, but it's going to happen. And then she starts to scream as he puts you know the tape around her mouth, but it was a twist. Yeah, oh. they come back. They weren't exactly Johnsons. What they did was they played it off as they were, just to buy about a minute or two of time to get backup. And the uh, the rest of the Balboas came to the scene, and then there was a huge pounding on the door and said, "Hey, you gotta open up it! You gotta open the door! I'm gonna punch the door down!" And then right away, Cottingham got pissed and gra- grabbed all his stuff. And as he was grabbing his stuff, they kicked the door in. And then he runs out the back door of the hotel only to run into the arms of four Balboas with guns drawn. And he's arrested. On the spot. Yeah, he's arrested on the spot. Um, so the brutal murders and stuff would come to an end. They went to his house and they found numerous and upon numerous things of jewelry and things that he had collected from all the victims, including the teenagers and, uh, which those three teenagers cases that uh, there was two more teenager cases of um, killings that uh, that went along with that 13 year old that were found out later through DNA and through those trophies uh, in 2010 that linked those two cold cases as well. So he um, was convicted of uh, let's see, he was convicted of 13 murders and um uh, convicted of 15 of 21 counts including um uh kidnapping rape and all this other things abusive corpses and uh he was found guilty on all charges but uh, because it's in new york and it's a liberal state he uh was not given the death penalty so of course yes um he also had confessed to six more murders but the dna has not been ran to uh yet to justify those as well so we're talking about a guy who could have close to 18 to 19 maybe 20 murders on his hands you know i have a question about that that really bothers me Mm -hmm. preach if he's already proven to have done a lot of these things and then you have his confession why are you waiting for proof to go after that i don't know i mean i i to me it's like if you're able to describe something, you know, because um, right now, actually, it's at 12. He has 12 confirmed kills and there's six pending. And, and uh, it was nine up until 2010 before they found three others. If he's able to give these detailed accounts of these murders that only the police would know, it would be common sense, correct? Yes. It makes no sense that they still have to investigate it. Find whatever they need to prove that it was him yep and and there's there's 
been plenty of books written about this guy. One of the daughters of the victims to get more information out about some of the victims that were found out later in 2010 actually befriended him and became a pen pal and also visited him even though he killed her mother to get more information. She was brave and helped solve a few of the cases that Cottingham uh, wasn't speaking out about. And so that brought more eyes to the case. And then in, and uh, he looked, he looks like a Santa like figure. He's got a long white beard. He's had a long beard for quite some time. Um, if you look at now some of the pictures in 2022, when he was on, um, on trial for the, the recent case that was attributed to him, he was in bed. He's not doing too good now. His health is fading, but he, you know, he testified and pled guilty to that case. So, uh, the guy's still kicking, um, but uh, he's definitely one of the worst murderers on the East Coast, that's for sure. He didn't deserve to live such a long life. Oof. Yeah, he's 75. He, he probably should have been... An in, look, it, he was put away bef- right before I was born. So for 42 years, this guy's been living in captivity. I mean, that's way too long for a scumbag like him. Agreed. He's been living in royalty, you mean? Pretty much. I mean, when you're a famous serial killer like that, you don't really, um, you're not in general population. So you probably got your own wing. You got your own cell. You got your own TV. So, yeah, for whatever reason, they give them better. And, and we saw with the uh, the Night Stalker, he was able to get brand new teeth. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, this guy's a scumbag and he's still living. And uh, probably either before he dies or even after he dies, we're going to probably see a couple more murders get attributed to him. That's sad. Yep. Hopefully they can identify that that one Jane Doe just so that the family can get closure if, you know, if possible. Absolutely, because that's been a long time. Yeah. A long time. Uh, I'm so mad. I don't know what to say anymore. Yeah, this I'm case is tired. tough. I'm tired of all this nonsense and all these bastards just pretty much getting away with everything they do and then living the life for free while everybody busts their ass on the outside world to try and get what they need. Living on our tax dollars. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. I mean, we've seen cases, too, where... Some people will just be like, for whatever reason, they're like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a uh, hunger hunger strike for whatever reason," and they force feed them, you know. And even if they don't, um, you know, when these people are living on death row, they're eating pretty good. So mm-hmm. they're not eating the the trash we all assume that they do. It's funny that some of these murderers and serial killers are eating better than our kids in public school systems. Yep. So they should be eating maggots. They're not. They're. I guarantee you, they're not drinking out of packets that look like breast implants for chocolate milk for some of these kids. I don't know if any of you've seen it, but yeah, they know. look disgusting. And yeah, don't be so disrespectful for my school district milks. <laughs> I drink those chocolate milks almost all the time, sir. Don't be so disrespectful. Although tasty, it's like drinking out of a breast implant. I'm just saying. Don't be so disrespectful, Todd. I work for the school district, okay? <laughs> okay. And, and what about this, Matt? Since you work for the school district. What happens when a kid doesn't pay their uh, allowance for the food? You don't pay, you don't eat. No, you get 
you get half a cheese sandwich and a little <laughs> bit of milk, like grade F milk. Yeah, right. Not everywhere. Not everywhere. Sometimes you don't pay. Well, crappy ass schools in Kansas that we went to, if you didn't have, uh, like if you didn't qualify for the low income stuff and you didn't have enough money, you're not eating. That's well, the yes, district. Uh, the district where I work at has gone a little soft, so they try to feed everybody. No, I wouldn't say soft because it's important that's that how everybody. That's it should be. No, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. It should be that way, but it wasn't like how we were back in the day. Because you were right. If you didn't have your ticket, you know, you either didn't eat or they give you, you know, milk and bread. <laughs> yeah. But now, I with the, the the things going on, the district has changed policy where they want to feed everybody so it's different now that is like the stupidest thing you have education system and you want all these kids educated right mm -hmm. you want kids to make the right decisions in life and become somebody as they preach to them yet they don't deserve a meal a good healthy meal okay mm -hmm. with all the tax money people pay but all these bastards in prison who killed and raped and took the lives of other innocent people and tortured and traumatized others for the rest of their lives deserve the best. Yeah. They're protected. They're fed. They get to sleep good at night because they have no worries of anything. Well, time out. I'm going to say this. Some of the food in the county ain't all that great. And I ain't going to sit here and say that they, they sleep them peacefully because they got to watch their booties. So. Not when you're isolated. Well, if you're in a 24 7 lock uh, ISO, that's different. A lot of these well known killers are isolated and protected. Yeah, yeah they're the ones down. that deserve the worst. Mm -hmm. yeah. Same same with the uh, sexual predators, man. I mean, they all yeah. they all get preferential treatment. That is true. That is true. And they get three square meals a day. I mean, like, the funny thing is, you know, these schools will preach, hey, you know what? Make sure your kid gets a, a, a good meal before the day happens. You know, people live life where they're not, sometimes they go to work before their kids go to school. So if the kid doesn't eat, the school should provide something for them. So you mean to tell me if they can't eat in the morning or they don't eat enough or kids work and, you know, run and do PE, they're hungry. By the time lunchtime comes around, you should feed him because obviously on an empty stomach, you're not going to concentrate. You're not going to give your best school. You know, you're not going to be paying attention. So schools should realize that and keep their kids fed, you know, but nope. Yeah, that's true. Well, now they do, like I said, they, they're, they're making some changes. They they have this policy where they, it's called BIC, breakfast in the classroom. So they make sure that every student is accounted for, for food. Yeah, but and you then, can't represent all counties. That's what I'm saying. I'm not representing all counties. I'm just saying the district I work for. So. That's yeah. not bad though. I mean, at least they got at least they got a plan moving forward. That's good. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's the unfortunate case right there. I mean, um, again, one of these it could have been stopped a lot earlier. Um, Easily. But, but this is a different serial killer. You know, last couple serial killers we've done, um, they change. You know, they changed up their modus operandi, uh, um, where you just, you know, uh, you can't really pin them to one thing they change up things but this guy was at least consistent with the beatings and strangulations they should have linked all those together and they did it and if those prostitutes would have you know would have went to court would have went to court they could have saved at least three more women that's why it's so, so important to go to your court dates so just, what was this um 
sentence? His sentence was like forever and a day. It was like a thousand years. So, Dang. I mean, come I mean, on. No, I mean, come on now. Nobody's going to live a thousand years. Not in this system, but nobody's going to live a thousand years. Yeah, I mean, it just all you have to do is say, hey, life. You got life. That's it. But yeah. I think I never I think, understood that. I think what they should have did, too, is, you know, the the South did do something right back in the day. You know, I'm not saying they did everything right because obviously they didn't. But sometimes they would say, OK, you get life plus hard labor or 25 years plus hard labor. So you're out there working your ass off every day. Breaking, yeah. Breaking bricks. Yep. Instead, this guy just got fat. So he's he's a fat Santa looking guy. So if I he hope were, he has a horrible and painful death. I hope so too. They're not saying what his health is as far as what's causing it to fa- fade at seventy five, but hopefully, like Gabby said, it's something painful. And he's not functionable now anyway. So off with his wing. <laughs> I'm about to say. I mean, is he still is he still Superman when it comes to that? Does he get conjugal visits and stuff like? Like, as far as we been... know, he didn't get the Richard Ramirez treatment, so he didn't have the conjugal visits. But uh, I think he should have he should have got life. And if he didn't want hard labor, it should have been no hard penis. And like Gabby said, chop right. the wing, yep. chop the wing slowly. No, oh, come on. Just, I would I would think just take a mini guillotine. Just, just, small. No, remember what I showed you last time with that little the little knife that. See. That, your dad was, that makes me and your dad was thinking about using it. for his projects. Yep, <laughs> right through the center. You oh. feel that mother effort? You See. feel it? See. You like that? Does that make you hard? We should have <laughs> did a disclaimer for all men right there before you got into that, because that's what they should have done. Stuck Amen. one of those knives through his penis. Ah. Yeah. That's torture, right there. Anyways, good I, case. Hey, I'm hey, crossing hey. my legs as we speak right now. <laughs> Horribly tortured these women. I get it. I get it. I'm okay. not saying he doesn't deserve a cruel punishment. I'm just saying I would have hurt. And then dip it in acid. Little oh. So you just want to disintegrate. <laughs> yep. Everything. I'm throwing a flag on the field for that. White flag. <laughs> no, a yellow flag. That's a penalty. Flag. <laughs> Abuse of the penis talk. I'm sure all the listeners would agree he deserved it. All the women would, for sure. Yeah. The men are probably squinting right now, like, oh. I don't care. You know he deserves it. The men are like, can we talk about this? Like I said, I'm not saying he don't deserve it. It's just the trade subject. God. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. That's the treatment he needs. I agree. He does need it to be tortured. So that uh, that penis talk was brought to you part by cock. Who uh, gave us a five star <laughs> rating at the, be- <laughs> at the beginning of the show? <laughs> Shout out to the fan whose name is Cock. It <laughs> all comes full circle. <laughs> Thank you for leaving us a comment and brightening brighten up our day <laughs> with your with your name. We ended up talking about that for the last These two guys minutes. guys were so amused by it. It was just, it was just like, I swear. When, by the way, we, it's so over. It's over, right? <laughs> we haven't ended it yet. We haven't uh, ended it. So but yeah, should. the case is over. 
the case is over. Well, that yeah. was your interesting case, Todd. By the way, it's not that we're amazed by the name. It was just, it was interesting because we were reading the comments this morning. We were talking about it. Yes, we talk about the comments, and we were just like, "Cop!" <laughs> it was just plain cop, and I was just like, "All right." <laughs> you responded like a Johnson. Responded like a Johnson. I was like, "Todd, did you see that comment by Cock?" <laughs> I was like, yeah, I saw that comment by Cock. I saw that comment, nice by comment by Cock. I like when Cock leaves a car. <laughs> why did Rocky got to come into this? <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for leaving comments. And we're going to sign off right here. Thank you, Todd, for breaking down this show today. We <laughs> It's getting out of hand with this Cock. So, anyway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hi, yo. Hi, yo. I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Grinding True Crimes, and there you can find our page, like our page, and comment on our page. As you can see, we do listen to our, we read our comments. Uh, you can also listen to us on your podcast streams. Just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. Gabby's still laughing. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Gabby's still laughing. Uh, we're <laughs> signing off right now. This has been another episode of Grinding Street Crime Please Podcast. Rocky. <laughs> Rocky is signing off. <laughs> this has been your host of the show, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace. Y'all come back now, yeah, because, you know, we have some exciting stuff to talk about. And when we talk about it, we get animated. Are you gonna... <laughs>